an unexpected story out of the so-called hot labor summer. Strippers united will never be divided. Binge all four episodes of Imperfect Paradise Strippers Union wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everybody. From LAS Studios, I'm John Raby. Over more than 10 years and almost 600 episodes, Off-Ramp told the untold stories of L.A.'s people and places. And you know what? Great stories never die. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, welcome to Off-Ramp. Pepe Aguilar, welcome to Off-Ramp. This is Betty White, and you're listening to Off-Ramp. We're looking into a bomb shelter. People really remember the Atomic Cafe. We say tomato. They say tomato. Knocks him cold with one punch. You're listening to Off-Ramp with John Raby. Whoa, 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 he's a Raby. It's nine years of me screaming at him till his hair flies off. You know, I mean, it's a lot. I never stopped doing mariachi. I never stopped being on this Mexican side of myself. Never. I have friends who ask me, why do I still live in South L.A.? You know, it's home. Thanks for joining me as we dip into the Off-Ramp archive and explore Southern California together on Off-Ramp. Welcome, or welcome back, to the Off-Ramp Podcast, and a special shout-out to our 19 listeners in Colombia and 60 in South Korea. I'm John Raby. Charles Schultz got hate mail, and newspaper editors threatened to pull peanuts after this strip, showing Charlie Brown meeting another kid at the beach, was published on July 31, 1968. Is this your beach ball? Hey, yeah, thank you very much. I was swimming out there and it came floating by. My silly sister threw it into the water. I see you're making a sandcastle. It looks kind of crooked. I guess maybe it is. Where I come from, I'm not famous for doing things right. And that's it. Two kids talking amiably on the beach. I know what you're thinking. This caused all the stir. This is what caused people to spill their coffee in the morning and light up another cigarette. The words are innocuous, but Schultz wrote it that way for a reason, because nobody on that July day 50 years ago was reading the words. If you could see the strip, you could see that the kid Charlie Brown is talking to is black. He was Franklin Armstrong, and he was the first black character in a mainstream daily comic strip. This was a huge deal. This episode of Off-Ramp is about the two people who made it happen. One of them is Harriet Glickman, who happens to have been the mother of KPCC editor Paul Glickman. She died two years ago at the age of 93. Harriet was white, and she and her friend Ken Kelly, who was black, convinced Charles Schultz to write a black character into the wildly popular strip. I talked with the two of them about it in 2014. Ken died about a year after Harriet, and he has his own amazing backstory, which I will tell you about after we hear the interview. Now, before we start, I should warn you, Ken and Harriet used old-fashioned language to describe black people. They used the polite terminology of the time, not the N-word, but if this is upsetting to you, you should skip this episode. Peanuts was, I think, the most popular comic strip in the country. It was 1968. I was living here in Sherman Oaks with three children, aged 13, 7, and 3. And the idea came to me to write the letter to Charles Schultz, asking if he would put a 
then Negro child into his strip. And, and let's jump over to Ken Kelly. So you're looking at Peanuts. Uh, was it surprising to you that it, it didn't have a black character? Yes, but it was so common in the total media picture, movies, newspapers. The absence of Negro people was extreme, but worse, negative situations always got covered. Did you like Peanuts uh, besides that fact? Yes, oh, that's a universal strip. The character and the situations that came up were beautiful. Yeah, and and here's an opportunity to reach millions of eyes with, uh, as you were saying, a positive. Yes, the, the absence of Negroes in neutral situations was so extreme, we welcomed uh, any break in that pattern. Here's a letter from Charles Schultz, April 26, 1968. Dear Mrs. Glickman, thank you very much for your kind letter. I appreciate your suggestion about introducing a Negro child into the comic strip, but I'm faced with the same problem that other cartoonists are who wish to comply with your suggestion. We all would like very much to be able to do this, but each of us is afraid that it would look like we were patronizing our Negro friends. I don't know what the solution is. Best regards, Charles Schultz. Is this a, a rational, reasonable response? At the time, yeah. And I answered him and said, I appreciate your taking the time to answer my letter about Negro children in Peanuts. You present an interesting dilemma. I'd like your permission to use your letter to show some Negro friends. Their responses as parents may prove useful to you in your thinking on this subject. And he said, I'll be very anxious to hear what your friends think of my reasons for not including a Negro character in the strip. The more I think of the problem, the more I'm convinced it would be very wrong for me to do so. I'd be very happy to try, but I'm sure that I would receive the sort of criticism that would make it appear as if I were doing this in a condescending manner. And then he got the letters. Letters from from the parents. And Monica Gunning. Also, Monica Gunning, also a Negro parent, the two kids. Then on July 1st, he said, you'll be pleased to know that I've taken the first step in doing something about presenting a Negro child in the comma strip during the week of July 29. I've drawn an episode which I think will please you. Kindest regards. While I understand his, his objections, he, he's worried about what some of the response might be. It's, it's kind of his job, though to figure this out as an artist, to take on an artistic problem and, 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 and deal with it, right? I would think so. And uh, the fear aspect comes in. I can understand it being frightening. It's, it's brand new. That was the issue. It was so absent, that kind of presentation. The strip in which Franklin appeared doesn't even mention race. It's just Franklin talking about his dad and Charlie Brown talking about his dad, and they're just two kids making sandcastles. And that's exactly what I hoped would happen. He's just another kid. And then what was the response when it, when it well, appeared? There were articles in the paper. There was a letter from a pastor. The Los Angeles Times had several. Newsweek had an article about it. I mean, it became a big thing. One of the responses that they got was from a newspaper in Mississippi, and it was to the syndicate, and it says, in today's Peanuts comic strip, Negro and white children are portrayed together in school. School integration is a sensitive subject here, particularly at this time when our city and county schools are under court order for massive compulsory race mixing. We would appreciate it if future Peanuts strips did not have this type of content. One of the criticisms that has emerged through the years is that all of the other characters seem to have a personality. But 
Franklin was just a kind of a bland character. He didn't give him anything special. In my letter, I had said, you know, give, if you're putting characters in, give them a Lucy. And he didn't do that. But I was, of course, very, very grateful. My letter to him originally, I mentioned supernumerary role, didn't want him to suddenly introduce a hero who hadn't built up to that position. So I, I happen to feel that it's very useful to begin that way. And I can see uh, Charles Schultz not wanting to make him a jerk like Lucy. He did it so smoothly. He wasn't rocking anyone's boat, except there are those who felt that the boat was being rocked. <laughs> and I, I think as you look at this, there are, you know, there's the, the, the lunch counter protesters, the Freedom Riders, Rosa Parks, et cetera, et cetera. And then there are people who have a bunch of small victories who might be working behind the scenes you never hear about, and that's you guys. When I was in at the museum, somebody said, it took courage. I said, no, it didn't. It didn't take courage for me to sit in Sherman Oaks in my comfortable home with my three children and type a letter. Courage was little Ruby Bridges, the little girl who integrated a school in the South who had to come with the National Guard with people spitting at her and, and yelling at her and throwing things at her and the white parents who drew their children out. That was courage. What is very sad for me today is we're talking about 1968 and we're also talking about 2014 because what we're seeing today, some of the hatred, some of the anger, the racism that still exists, it's not going to be fixed by putting a little character in a, in a peanut strip. That piece originally aired in December of 2014. Harriet Glickman died two years ago at the age of 93, and Ken Kelly died about a year ago at 92. Now, about Ken Kelly. In its obituary, the LA Times called him, quote, an early-day electronics engineer whose antenna designs contributed to the race to the moon, made satellite TV and radio possible, and helped NASA communicate with Mars rovers and search for extraterrestrials. Here are more excerpts. Kelly was awarded more than a dozen patents in radar and antenna technology from 1955 to 1999. His early work at Hughes Aircraft helped create guided missile systems and the ground satellites that tracked the Apollo space missions. His two-way antenna designs at Rantec microwave systems enabled consumers to have DirecTV and Sirius XM connections. At JPL, Kelly helped design robotic antennas for the Mars rover Spirit and Opportunity. But that's not all. He also spent a lot of time fighting racism, besides the Peanuts thing. In 1962, he overcame Gardena's racist covenant by having a white colleague at Hughes buy a house on his behalf. Later, he moved near Cal State Northridge and had to do the same thing to get a house. He also became president of the San Fernando Valley Fair Housing Council and became a leading realtor, helping many black families move into new suburbs in the 1970s. Kelly was born in 1928 in New York City, and one of his mentors was photographer and shaft filmmaker Gordon Parks, he enlisted in the Navy and had to fight to be trained as an electronics technician after being told he could only be a steward to white officers. He got a job at Hughes Aircraft in 1953. Still quoting from the Times, and I love this part, Ken Kelly later learned that his white colleagues had been polled to see if they would work with a black man. The few who said they would quit were told to do so. That's it for this episode of Off Ramp. Our theme music is by Fesslian Studios. Charlie Brown and Franklin Armstrong were played by Nathan Mesquita and Ezra Poplar. 
For LAS Studios and KPCC, I'm John Raby, and I'll see you next time on The Off-Ramp. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people.